are going to start this week's podcast with a game show. And the game show is called Would the Real Danny Levi Please Stand Up? <laughs> because I'm watching the Knights and the Eels yesterday afternoon from McDonald Jones Stadium, listening to the dulcet tones of Matty Russell on the sideline, as professional as ever. And Danny Levi, or somebody impersonating Danny Levi, or the aliens who inhabited <laughs> Danny Levi's body, were out there absolutely slaying them in the middle of the field, jumping out of dummy half, impersonating Damien Cook. And I'm thinking, where has this man been and where have these Newcastle Knights been? They won in week one against the Cronulla Sharks. They slept walked their way through the next five weeks. And they come out of the blocks yesterday and give it to the Parramatta Eels. Mm. It was remarkable. Hi, everybody. Warren Smith, Lara Pitt and Maddie Russell to bring you You Can Take Me Now. I have seen it all. And, mm. Maddie, I'll come to you in a moment because you were up there. But, uh, Lars, I mean, Danny Levi. He was Newcastle under the pump, Knights. wasn't he? I think Michael Ennis gave him a rocket on Big League Rap last week and clearly the whole team got a rocket from Nathan Brown yesterday because they needed to have their competitive edge uh, tested and and be told that probably they they were looking like losers before they actually could pull something out of the hat, which is probably disappointing, really, if you're a Newcastle fan, because who needs to be challenged if you're playing rugby league for a living? But it worked, and ultimately it's taken the pressure off. Um, and for Danny Levi, wasn't there talk that maybe Sione Matauti was going to come on in the halves and they were going to put Danny Levi on the bench and Connor Watson was going to move to nine and maybe Danny was like, oh, if that's going to happen, I've got to actually show my worth here in this team and it's worked. Mike Lennon's called him out saying it didn't quite look clear whether he knew when to pass for the likes of Pierce and Ponga and when to run it himself or yesterday he just tucked it under the arm and went and they were 10 of 10 completions. They played perfect footy for 20 minutes. They'd scored two tries to nil and Danny Levi led the game for run metres. Five scoots out of dummy half, all of them asking questions. He was confident, the team was confident and I asked Mitchell Pearce at full time, where did that performance come from? Not just personally but from a team perspective and he said losing. We don't like losing. We haven't liked the way we want to play. And Nathan Brown has copped enough. They played for the coach yesterday. Mm. Anyone who says that Nathan Brown has lost the dressing room or was losing the dressing room or needs to be replaced, well, go and interview any of the Knights yesterday. And very close to the surface, they pe performed yesterday for their coach. Why didn't they do it a week earlier? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? Why not? Who knows? But yesterday's performance for the first 20 was, as you said, was awesome. Des Hasler, when he was coaching the Canterbury Bulldogs, had an open checkbook and Des tried to cover every base and then something you haven't even thought of before as well had a permanent head of mind management. A fellow called John Novak, who's a sports psychologist. I've known John for a little while and got to know him even better when he, in his time uh, with Desi at the Bulldogs. He's worked with some golfers in the past as well. Um, I've got some of uh, John's stuff at home. Um, I've tried to apply it to my golf game. Hasn't always worked, but um, he's a pretty sharp fella. And if I had an open checkbook at a football club as Matty Russell madly changes headphones. Wow, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Done it uh, was. <laughs> didn't, didn't notice a thing. And... If I was, you know, coaching any club, the first person I would employ would be a head of mind management or a permanent sports psychologist or have somebody on tap at least for a couple of sessions every week because to go from the team they were in week one, the, the Knights, and then the next five weeks where at times they were flat out awful and, and a couple of times it looked pretty dire and I was like, we know how this ends. If there's too many more of these performances, the coach um, gets the heave-ho. And then they come out and play like that yesterday. The, you know, the mind is a marvellous, an amazing thing, isn't it? Nothing changes. They, they knew how to play football through all those five weeks and the losses and the drop passes and the missed tackles and, you know, the lack of inspiration, whatever it was, imagination, I don't know. But they go from the week before to yesterday and likewise the other way for the Eels who beat the Tigers 51 points to six at the opening of the brand-new stadium there's some inspiration right there. And then they go to Newcastle six days later and they look like the eels of, you know, the, their depths last season. I mean, a week is a long time in politics. Boy, it's a long time in rugby league, isn't it? Well, it would have... I mean, we don't want to use excuses, right? But does that sort of excitement and energy and putting all that, um, you know, concentration into such a big event for the western part of Sydney and, you know, it 
should have really put a spring in their step, the fact that they pumped West Tigers 51-6, to six, but maybe it was all just too much reading your own hype after, after all that and all the talk about plays being off contract, which I'm not sure we want to even bother getting into, but... You can't get into the minds of these players. It would be uh, a secret to unlock how they can be so wonderful one week and the next week, shocking. I spoke to Clint Gutherson. My first question to him was, a challenge today would be parking the celebrations from last week and concentrating on the next assignment in Newcastle. Are you confident you've done that? And I believed his answer. He said yes, that they had video and recovery. First thing the next day, they, they got that out of the way and basically on the Tuesday had turned to Newcastle by midday or thereabouts. So uh, everything he said, I believe, but their performance and the coach later on suggested otherwise. And maybe you come back to Nathan Brown's halftime speech yesterday where he said to his team, I'm delighted with your one percenters in the first half. It sounds cliche, doesn't it? But he, he specified the kick chase, the line speed, the determination from Lachlan Fitzgibbon to get to the ball first. He said they're all one percent elements that convince me that you've turned up in the right way today. If you're 1% off like Parramatta were, then that's the price you're going to pay. That's how good the competition is. Unless you're perfect, you're going to get beaten. It sounds cliched, but I know for a fact that the Melbourne Storm spent their entire off-season focusing on one percenters. They did all the usual stuff, all the fitness stuff, all the camps and all the ball work and whatever else, but their main focus, their theme of the off-season was one percenters. And the Melbourne Storm, predicted by many people to slide down the mm. table at some point in 2019, um, some even had them missing the top eight, which is, you know, crazy. Well, over Cameron Smith's on two legs, trust me, they're not going to miss the top eight. Mm. And given the talent they've got around them, but there they are. Mm. One percenters was their focus during the off-season and they are six and one. Well, they were a bit lucky on the weekend, weren't they? They were a little <laughs> bit lucky. Uh, it was a, a tight win and a pretty cool field goal by Brody Croft off the upright to get them mm. across the line. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, a pretty cool win. Before we get too far away from the Newcastle game, a nice story, uh, a behind-the-scenes story about mm. Sione Matautia. On Friday night, uh, his beautiful partner had a, a reveal. They're expecting their third baby. What's the sex going to be? They've got two girls already. And Sione, on the record, saying, if I've got three girls, fantastic. If it's a boy, fantastic. Maybe just a little bit more, given I've got two girls. She popped the balloon inside, blue streamers galore, oh. and Sione celebrates, throws his arms in the air, goes down on the knees as if he'd won a grand final. That was Friday night. Then game day Sunday, cops the head knock. We know his history with head knocks. Mm. Any significant head knock now might spell the end for Sione, but interviewing him after the game, he was A-OK. It was a scare, nothing else. He actually passed his HIA. And then they won the game. So he went... Top of the roller coaster, bottom of the roller coaster, top of the roller coaster again to finish uh, a frantic 48 hours and uh, just a little glimpse into the life of a rugby league player there. Gender reveal. Are you into the gender reveal? <laughs> no, it's, it's a real I, thing. Know, I thought it was only an American I love thing. watching other people do that, but I'm, I'm such a control freak in life generally that the one thing I've left always is that I never found out with the with the boys what I was having. I just thought you got to have a surprise some sometime yeah, in your life. Absolutely. Have a surprise. Well, did but, you, uh, yeah. No, no gender. Of, no, we it was out of the wrapper. Let's absolutely. see what we got. Same here. So none of us <laughs> no. had gender reveals. It must be a new generation. Oh, I could go. I, I could go off on a tangent here. Let's just not. Let's, go no, let's it. do it. Uh, <laughs> the new way of gender reveal is. Oh. You want to hear about this? Oh, Get no. a Perhaps. packet of eggs, like a what? a tray of eggs. Yeah. Um, get someone to boil them up, yes. paint them blue and pink, blue, pink, blue, pink, but one of them is not boiled. It's obviously a raw egg mm. and you, sm you go through, you smash each one on the top of your head and whoever gets the one, the pink one or the blue one that's raw, then that's how you find out. I Watch a video on YouTube. It's awesome. I'll wow. send you the link anyway. <laughs> so they're probably all lost painted, on a podcast, but one but raw egg. One of them's raw and it's whether it's the pink or blue one, then you figure it out. And you are, there, are there no surprises in life no. anymore? Can we not just get to the delivery date <laughs> and think, oh, how good is that baby Jody or baby Tommy? Do we have to know everything? It's an Instagram moment, uh, isn't it? It's something you can put out there on social media because, you know, you... you what a time to be alive, <laughs> as they say in the classics. Uh, what uh, caught your eye over the weekend that we haven't spoken um, about so far, Lars? A couple of things. Well, one thing in particular, it's the coach's decision to tell Porkies during the week around team selection. No, really? And I thought... Um, Who was telling Porkies? Trent Robinson got a little bit caught out after the Dragons, uh, after they beat the Dragons on Anzac Day. He, he was asked about 
the decision to start Lachlan Lamb and he said he just thought he was ready for it and never hesitated, even though it was such a huge occasion. Um, I had every intention of starting him all week um, and no hesitation about throwing him into that, you know, amazing event. And it's a grand, well, it's a finals-like atmosphere. It's got a lot of emotion around it. And then the journal asked, so you knew yesterday when we came and talked to you all about who was gonna, how you're going to play it in the halves? He goes, yeah, yeah, I knew. He goes, well, if you backed him, why didn't you tell us? Good question. And he said, well, yeah, I did. I, you know, and he, he took it fair and square, the question. And he said, oh, I just, you know, they just think they don't need that extra, probably could have been a back headline newspaper article the next morning leading into the game. Who knows if anyone was going to yeah. go that far with it. But, yeah, I thought that was in, that, that's just another interesting one that we keep. I think it happened with Bellamy. He did something with his team selections as well, which was a late change, and he had every intention of doing that but never named it on Tuesday. Um, Curtis Scott. Yeah, and, from the and Desi yesterday with Lachlan uh, Croker. He told him Tuesday he'd be starting in the halves. So, anyway. I think we're seeing I just less of it the overall. Pros, though, we saw we? three this weekend. Yeah, probably, but it's Ducks and Drakes and um, fans probably – it's a gripe I have with it because why do we, you know, we, we, could, yeah. we, could, tell, we could talk up that Lachlan Croker story all week. It's a good story. He's come back from a year out. He's playing against the team he, you know, grew up coming through the juniors with. Anyway. It's you could argue that by forcing a player to bottle that up mm. and, and not release it to the world that you create as many problems as you solve by not revealing it. Now, these men are the experts. They've coached extensively. They know much better than you or I what does and doesn't work. But, but I'm not convinced. Nothing gives me more joy when you learn subsequent to a heavier loss that the coach was playing ducks and drakes and trying to be almost too clever for his own good. Did it work on game day? No, it didn't. Mm. And, and that does happen, I would say, as much as when ducks and drakes lead to success. It's changed a little bit since we've got the 21-man squad that you can't tinker with on yeah. Tuesday. We've also got to be mindful of the fact that maybe the coaches sit down with these players and say, look, would you like me to announce it here or do you prefer to wait until here? And if the player says, no, coach, I'd prefer to keep it under wraps, then that's understandable, mm. fair enough. I'm okay with the 21-man squad because it does, does mean you're just not going to have somebody come out of the absolute blue, not even, you know, just name somebody in the mm. Queensland Cup or the Canterbury Cup in mm. New South Wales, the Intrust Super Premiership, mm. um, blah, 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 and suddenly appear from nowhere. So at least you know on when the, you know, yeah, they, not, teams are announced on Tuesday it's afternoon. within that squad. Yeah. You know that somewhere from in that 21, you have, so you can do some prep, which is what happened, you know, on um, Saturday night in Brisbane. There we are, Broncos, Sharks, Josh Dugan. As the, literally, as the teams are leaving the sheds, um, our producer Nathan Brooks and Jamie Lockyer jumps on the line and says, there's drama in the Sharks dressing room. Josh Dugan has just been ruled out. And they've named a 19-year-old rook, old rookie, uh, Ronaldo Militalo, and was like, okay, well, I, mm. I had the barest information on Ronaldo. Because <laughs> Who the hell I, is Ronaldo? Well, that, and it was funny because during the week I was thinking, we need Ronaldo just to drop his surname and just be Ronaldo. <laughs> you guys <laughs> said Ronaldo so many times in the call. It was, it was just because it was such a, it's such a great name. You just... a, I was waiting for him to score a goal. Ronaldo! <laughs> <laughs> One nil! You've got to hold the O for about <laughs> 45 Second. Uh, goal! <laughs> um, so uh, there you go. I mean, and but it happened the week before, didn't it, for the Roosters when Takiaho went off? At, you know, he, was it Takiaho was injured in the warm up, or he forty five minutes before he hurt his back? And Josh Curran, he he was so adorable after the game. He was saying, um, you know, I, I made my debut, but I didn't even get my parents to be here for it. You know, mm. I, you know, I get the call up, and his head was still spinning at full mm. time after knocking off the storm. And oh. it would have been the same for Ronaldo no being doubt. thrown into the cauldron but, of that game. And, and and from New Zealand originally, but lived went to move to Ipswich at fourteen years of age, so would have had plenty mm. of family and friends in the crowd that night. Um, probably just turning up thinking, okay, well, you know, we'll go and watch the game. Um, he's not going to play, but we'll cheer for the Sharks as our son or cousin oh. and brother is mm. is a shark these days. And suddenly they wouldn't have – he wouldn't have had time to let anyone know. It was, well, it was literally Morris, as they were walking out for the Anzac Day ceremony. John Morris said it was 60 – a minute before yeah. the team left the sheds. Yeah. A minute to – Prepare yourself to make a debut. It caused some chaos in the Fox Sports commentary box. <laughs> Let me tell you, we've as had more players that ruled news out. Was breaking uh, in the warm-up this season. I reckon than total season last year and for how many years before? I feel like they warmed up for forty-five minutes. The Sharks. The Sharks was... came out fifty-five minutes before kickoff. Yeah, it I'm was a sure. long warm-up. I was watching up there with Louis and 
and Mick and Kevin were going there. Just this is a forever warm up. Then they went inside. Then they come out for the Anzac ceremony, and then they warm up again. Yeah, and the the, the Warriors did exactly the same thing on Thursday night in Melbourne. It was almost an hour before kickoff because I knew that kickoff wasn't until eight oh seven. Even though I'll take you to the big league as I madly flick back here, seven uh, fifty is the listed kickoff time. But I knew because of the ceremony and everything else, the actual on our rundown that we get in conjunction with the NRL and the clubs and everything, the kickoff wasn't until eight oh seven. And so at you know like at seven oh five or just after. The Warriors hit the field. I'm thinking, wow, it's an hour before the game. Mm. What are they going to play a game of Scrabble mm. or something in the sheds between <laughs> warming up and, and kickoff? What are they going to do? Using up all that energy as well. Yeah. Can I jump to my uh, most yes. noticeable or attractive or highlight element of round seven? And it's a question to both of you because Matt Dufty streaking away at the SCG was spellbinding the skill that he showed. The brute force of Big Bill kick out a plough through oh, so some good. of South Sydney's best defenders to score. Uh, nominate the best try from this round for me. Brute force or scintillating skill? Which one? You can't go, well, they're all they're great in their own respects. Which one was your oh. try of the round and maybe your individual try of the season so far? Wow. Out of those two. Oh, I feel like I, there's some sort of... L- lift the red V yeah, by. I, I, okay. I, I have to I, say... I'll go no. first. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, for me, it's big Bill kick Yeah, I was going to say... Uh, just the, because... I don't know why. I because <laughs> because he's had to, he kept going back to the same line. He, kept, he was being denied... Um, time after time and eventually, you know, Alex Johnson was holding on for grim life to not let him cross and then he, you know, he just powered. That That was just the power of him was so incredible to watch. I wanted mm. to watch it on replay mm. power. time and time again. I, I mean, Dufty was unbelievable and, and I think the occasion of it all, of course, makes it even better because it was in front of such a huge crowd on such yeah. a special day and one that he will absolutely never forget. But the kick out try, I just like how do you, how were those players, those South players, not dead? Like when he's running all over them <laughs> after that game, and the way that he went down seemingly to one knee mid run, yeah. and then got back to his feet. The to strength of him, to, yeah, <laughs> it didn't even look like it was hard for him. He was like, oh, get off me. Clean sweep was or not? No, uh, no, no. It's crazy because like when he scores that try, it's it's like the when you're watching the juniors, and there's just mm. a kid who's too yeah. big and too strong. And you give him the ball and he scores four tries every game and he leaves it's a trail of, you know, kids half his size yeah. in his wake. And that, and you just don't see that at this level, do you? No. So um, maybe I should go that way. But there's something about a fullback just chiming in and slicing through from long range from 60 metres out as Matt Dufty did and beating two, three, four, you know, cover defenders. And you think they've got him, they haven't got him and just evolves and it's a big occasion, big crowd. You know, whether it's Billy Slater or any fullback from any era you care to name, there's just something about the fast bloke just going through into open space with the colour and the movement, the excitement and the noise. It's one of those moments that, that makes you a fan for life. And, you know, I'm going to say Matt Dufty, but boy, it's a struck match between yeah. them. Can you remember an individual try to beat either of them so far this season? Oh. Or are they one and two when it comes to individual try of the season so far? Well, I've racked the memory thought, back okay, over the I've got a special one, and that was the first try to be scored at Bankwest Stadium. I know it made the Tigers look silly, but the fact that it you know, it was the length of the field try... It was and, a good one. You know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't no. physically in the same realm as, as Kikau, but... Uh, that was a special moment in the season, I think, yeah. that will be, you know, replayed as the year goes on. And there's been some unbelievable tries from the Roosters this year, like the the kick for from Keary to Latrell and Latrell streaks away the, and, and the, scores and a try. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the winger, the um, Ikevalu try in the corner, in the, I think it was in the same game. Yeah, we went through. Yeah, and, and Brandy lost hands. it in commentary. Shark, <laughs> that at Shark Park? Yeah. Roosters, the Roosters have scored some incredible Park. tries. But, yeah, I think on an individual level, they've scored some great team drives, the Roosters, but on an individual level, those Ikevalu was against the Broncos and uh, Kiri uh, for Mitchell was against the Sharks mm. down there yeah. at uh, Sharky yep. Park. So two Right on half-time, unbelievable. Right that was yep. remarkable. Yeah. Um, the Anzac Day itself seems like a long, long time yes. ago, but the uh, the Melbourne Storm against the Warriors, and again, there are the Warriors, um, perhaps needing a sports psychologist or maybe, you know, I don't know what they need, but they had been pretty ordinary for a number of weeks and then come out against Melbourne and look like winning that game for... They led. They're in front from the 48th minute when they scored a try to hit the lead and they led until the 78th minute. There's and they didn't have anybody. 30 minutes of game time, missing Roger Tua Vasashek. Yeah. It would have been 
one of the more impressive wins you'll ever see. I think Eclipse, though, even if they'd won that by by the win yesterday, again, by Manly against the Raiders, just outstanding to win with DCE hobbling off with that ankle injury. And that was only matched by what they did in round four against the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs when Tommy Travojevic goes out with a hamstring and you thought there's no way that Manly can win this game against South Sydney now. They won them both. Mm. And I tweeted yesterday, which got a little bit of reaction, but I thought they were the two most impressive wins I've seen all season. By Manly? But no, by anybody. Anybody? Because I'll, look, I'll, take, I'll take you through the oh, roster. here we go. I'll take Let's you th- go back to round one. Can we go, can we go through every <laughs> no game idea. since round one? Let's no. Minute by minute. Here's the, here was the back line yesterday for Manly at that point in time with DCE, of course, off the field. Curtis uh, Surinan playing 5-8. Lachlan Croker in the halves. Ruben Garrick, Brad Parker, Moses Suley. George Tafu has been around a long while. Brendan Elliott is the fullback. And Brendan's been at a couple of different clubs, quite obviously three different clubs before the uh, the Seagulls. Couldn't get a, a regular start anywhere. So a fringe first grader who's, who will play six, eight, ten, twelve games a season most times. You know, that back line doesn't really compare to most back lines in the NRL. And there they are playing the Raiders, who are five and one, remembering, given what they've done so far this season. Coming off a good win last week against the Broncos, I just don't, I just couldn't see how Manly could go on to win that game. But they have got something going over there. And full credit to Desi, who I've been critical of in the past for in, in a number of ways. And I thought it was a bad signing from the point of view that he just doesn't promote the game enough, and it's just too much. It's too insular. But whatever it is, and it might be insular, but gee, it's working for Manly at the moment. They, those two wins against the Rabbitohs and the Raiders will be hard to top for mm. teams. And it's not a it's not not a sledge by saying they have overachieved massively mm-hmm. to win those two games with the injuries they had in both of them. It's a it's a huge effort. It is, and I called the win against Souths in Golden Point, where Daly Cherry even slotted the winner. I think I used the expression a heroic performance because they shouldn't have won that game when Tommy Turbo came off. And I was speaking with Brandy afterwards, and we were saying how well Jake Trebojevic is going, and a couple of their other performers, and we were mulling over the reason that Manly had won that game and the common theme was that the Des factor should not be underestimated. Mm. You know, we have criticised Des for his approach to different elements of the game but when it comes to creating maybe the siege mentality at Manly to being a fit at Manly, well those two performances suggest he's a good fit, he's the right man. Yeah, and absolutely no surprise really that when he goes back to that club that we last year what a rabble it was in terms of everyone was saying he didn't have the right facilities. What a load of rubbish that was. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, nothing has changed there other than, than Des. And if anything, it's not like they've recruited huge names this season. So it's an unbelievable turnaround from... Where are from they? What's on the ladder there? Uh, the Seagulls are inside the top eight. They're in sixth position at the moment with four wins and three losses. So further to your point, Lars, um, about last year and the, what the rabble that it was and Trent Barrett uh, pulls the ripcord and jumps out of the plane before the end of the season. What does that mean for Trent Barrett? I mean, jobs are hard to come by. And, you know, if, it, if he was unlikely to get a gig sometime in the very near future, now that the, everyone's seen what happened last year, now there might have been extenuating circumstances, um, but not, not a lot, as you say, in regards to facilities. Mm. Nothing's changed from that point of view. The management hasn't changed. It's, for all intents and purposes, the same roster, the same club. There's a few additions here and there. But, you know, really, I mean, Trent Barrett now, what happened last year looks in a... Yeah. a much more worse light. Does it speak to what happens when a coach has a massive falling out with the administration? Obviously, that's exactly what has happened there. Yeah. And it's, but I, and it, at the end of the day, it's cost Trent Barrett yeah. a gig and now he's, you know, I, let's see if he can get himself I, a new I job after it, July. Yeah, I think it, I, it's suddenly <laughs> in a you know bizarre way. I think mm. it becomes tougher for him mm. to get a gig at some stage if a job opens up. What about the headaches for poor old Kevin Walters as if we have a lot of sympathy for Queensland as three proud New South Welshmen? But Daily Terry Evans we just spoke about out. Jake Friend, a big casualty as well. And Ben Hunt, not looking so serious but still with a shoulder concern. Um, after last weekend when Daily Terry Evans and Ben Hunt went head-to-head, Kevy was cheering for how well the two number sevens were playing and then now he wakes up on uh, Monday morning with, you know, still a few weeks, but it's a big. It's going to be a big decision for him who he's going to name as captain. And if Daly's out for a few weeks, friend's now definitely not available. Mm. Um, a diffi- difficult um, times for the Queensland coach. 
Yeah, Michael Morgan uh, in Townsville will be looking more and more prominently. But did you hear what Greeny said? They're not going to pick him that, the way he's playing that, right now. That's, that's fair enough. Well, know. he was pretty good the week before against the Warriors, but mm. then they get beaten 24-12 against the Dogs and never really got themselves into that contest mm. by any stretch. So yep. fascinating if, if that, those injuries do impact on origin, and certainly a couple of them look as though they will. Uh, Jake Friend with that ruptured bicep uh, tendon, that's a nasty injury. Um, and mm. I saw on uh, the NRL physio uh, Twitter uh, handle the other day, you know, so the videos he puts on in regards to what the operation that needs to take place and in drilling holes in bones and putting screws through tendons and attaching it and sewing. It's pretty remarkable what happens when you think that these blokes do go through that and then within, you know, six, eight, ten weeks, whatever the recovery period is, uh, mm. come out and play NRL football. It's pretty remarkable what they go through to, to earn their money. So, uh, And he went back on with that injury. Yeah, he pulled incredible. off the tackle and that then, forced, you know, the, the game deciding. Do you, re- do you reckon he knew season over, may as well get back out there? I don't think he did because I was, I was behind their bench. Yep. Um, when he came off, wondering what the problem was, spoke to a few of the roosters who said, no, he hasn't played for three weeks. It's simply a breather. He was up and down drinking, slapping players on the back. He did not – he wasn't feeling at his arm or gesturing that he was in any way troubled. I mm. genuinely think they sent him back out there thinking, well, he's had his breather. Go on and see the game out for us. Yeah. Mm. Um, and back to Anzac Day was. A discussion point. Are you happy for – Anzac Day to spill through the entire round or should we just keep the formalities, the festivities, the commemorations, which are done so well, just to Anzac Day? Before you answer, I'll give you my take. Originally, I thought I don't want to dilute the special, special day of Anzac Day by having it seep through the entire round. If you're lucky enough to play on Anzac Day, then the the rest of the game will embrace you because as a game, we are lucky to share their day in any way, shape or form. So don't complain that you're not part of it. Your game is lucky to have a slight hook in there. However, over the last couple of years, seeing the Anzac medals uh, passed out to the players uh, mm-hmm. who are the respective man of the matches or men of the match and seeing how the crowds at each game show respect to the, the ode and the last post, I have been swayed. I am happy for as long as service men and women past and present are okay with it for the entire round to be branded Anzac round. And this year, the Anzac medals went to Boyd Cordner, Cam Smith, Corey Harawira Naira, Cody Walker, Ryan Madison, Anthony Milford, Manasi Fainu and Mitchell Pearson. I looked at a lot of them as they received their medals and I reckon they were all taken aback. So I've, I've moved. I'm happy for it to go through the entire round. And if we looked at even playing an Anzac Eve game, I'd welcome that as well. Yeah, as the AFL did uh, prior to Anzac Day. So Wednesday night last week, they played a game leading into Anzac Day as well. Um, yeah, you know, as long as the RSL is happy with it, as yeah. long as they don't see it, um, you know, diluting what Anzac Day is and means. Um, and in you know, a lot of ways, it's very much become our national day, hasn't it? There's been lots of talk in recent times about Australia Day and you can get... Uh, right into that discussion, but uh, I think for a number of years now, you know, leading up to the centenary of um, Anzac Day back in 2015, I think, um, you know, it's, it, in a lot of ways it has become our national day. We get mm. Everyone gets together. It's not about race or religion. Mm. It's about uh, honouring those who served, those who were lost, um, those who continue to serve and protect us in a variety of ways around the country and overseas as well. And you know, and you, um, you know, every every year I go back and do a bit of research and stuff, and take a look at what's happening in regards to deployments around the world. And, and you mentioned that on on uh, Anzac Night in Melbourne. Yeah, sure. And go again, over it again. What was it? Uh, well, you know, Operation Manitou in the Middle East at mm. the moment, which is the sort of naval operation protecting our interests in regards to the Arabian Gulf, and you know, p- passage of ships and uh, you know, freight and frigates and everything else. That, you know, the way we get goods and things from different parts of the world. So. Um, our Navy doing their part in that regard and Operation High Road, which has been going for a long time now in Afghanistan. And when you go back through the website and take a look at Operation High Road itself, it, it, on one of the headings on the website, and I encourage people to take a look at it, it says, lest we forget. And you go back through it and you very easily could forget until you're reminded around about Anzac Day, we've lost 41 fine young men in Afghanistan since that uh, operation started... Um, you know, some oh, 17 years ago, I think it is, something like that. So, mm. you know, it, it's, it's um, yeah, very sobering when you go back through that. And, um, yeah, I like to, you know, given the chance and there we are 
commemorating Anzac Day and what it means from 100-plus years ago now, but all the way through the various actions and world wars over the past 100-plus years. Um, it's pretty sobering when you realise how many Australians... And I've got a, a relative, uh, a young niece, who's um, in the army up there in Townsville, um, and sort of a nurse in the army. And, uh, you know, I saw her just recently at a game up there as well. So, um, yeah, my thoughts are with everybody... Mm overseas and safe passage uh, when they mm. eventually make it home. We had, and we've got a big audience for rugby league. We're mm. lucky to have that. So those sort of stories on that platform, I, I think it's that's yeah. why we are embraced by uh, servicemen and women past prison because we do it not over the top, not in a fake way. We just give it the respect it deserves. And Vossi told a story about John O'Stunts who scored yeah. four tries day one of rugby league 1908 and day one on the battlefields gets mown down by, by machine gun fire. And, you know, those sort of stories need to um, have oxygen year in, year out. So yeah. it's great that we share that day and, and I have no problem with the full round, Lara. Yeah, we had um, Victoria Cross recipient uh, Mark Donaldson on League Life on Wednesday. And I think prior to that, Maddie, I was sort of thinking along the same lines as you that perhaps having a, a ceremony, ceremonies across every game across the whole weekend, it, you know, should just belong to Anzac Day. But speaking with him and getting an appreciation for, you know, it's, it is about honouring the past, but it is, like you say, was about honouring those that are still serving right now and, um, you know, acknowledging the service that they, that they are doing. Um, and the connection is not just for the Roosters and the Dragons and for the for the Storm and the Warriors. Uh, all other clubs across across uh, the code deserve to acknowledge it and for the families of the fans that, that can reflect as well in the crowds during that time, I think it's a special moment to be at the game and mm. to see sport uh, a communi- and the community unite um, at the ground around this whole weekend. So, yeah, I think it's easy to sort of say let's just do it on Anzac Day, but I'm sure that everyone that got to a game on the weekend appreciated those that silence before the game and the players. It wouldn't would not have been lost on them at all. Yeah, I, I, and I'll throw it back. I reckon, you know, 20, 25 years ago, there probably wasn't quite the respect for Anzac Day that there now is. And, and at times it, when there would be a minute silence at various things, you would hear, you know, lunatics in the crowd carry on, scream out, yell out mm. something, whatever else. And um, But you, you can absolutely hear a pin drop, can't you? Mm. A minute silence is around Anzac Day and other uh, moments um, which deserve respect, whatever they may be, whether it's the passing of a you know beloved club member or something like that. So, you know, the respect in the community for those who dug the well in a variety of ways and, of course, uh, you know, war... When you're going to war and, and serving your country and protecting us, then it gets no greater than that. So, mm. um, yeah, well done to everybody who played a significant role in, in carrying off those ceremonies uh, over the eight games over the weekend. I thought it was uh, absolutely fantastic. Now, let's take a look at what's happening next weekend in round uh, eight because it begins with an absolute blockbuster. A and round uh, this, of grudge matches, this, really. Yeah, well, it is. And it begins with a grudge match of grudge matches. And it will soak up plenty of uh, paper and ink over the next, uh, yeah, five or... Well, actually, it's only three days. It's Thursday night. The Rabbitohs take on the Broncos. It's billed as Wayne Bennett versus Anthony Seabold. And that will get plenty of people talking. And there'll be you know, all manner of questions fired at both coaches when they do their their one media appearance before the game, probably on Wednesday morning at the training session on the captain's run. But, you know, when you take a look at the game, uh, I want to see how the Broncos fare. Yeah, they were good against the Sharks on Saturday night, but again, talking of injuries, the Sharks are just decimated, weren't they? And they're a shell of the team that they potentially could be if everyone's fit by the second half of the season. So despite looking pretty average and being outside the top eight at the moment, I wouldn't be writing the Sharks off given what you saw mm. on Saturday night um, with Josh Dugan and, and both uh, he and Sean Johnson succumbing to hamstring injuries. Mm. They'll be better in the second half of the season. It's just a matter of how close they can be yep. by the time we get to those big games. But I want to see the Broncos, how they fare against a team who has been playing good footy. And it was a gutsy, tough win in a really good game between the Panthers and the Rabbitohs the other night out there at Penrith in front of a big crowd as well. Good atmosphere. The Rabbitohs stood up um, when they had to. Um, Sam Burgess was very good again. And it'll be a different test for the Broncos against the Rabbitohs and at ANZ Stadium 
as well. Especially against the form, Rabbitohs, Harves, Reynolds and Walker going fantastically well. Compare that with Milford and Nick Rima, hot and cold at absolute best. And Nick Rima, we hear this week, might spend life as a Brisbane Bronco until Thursday night and be off to the Warriors after that. So that's got to be unsettling. I, I don't go past the six and seven for me. Mm. South Sydney win on the back of the form of those players. Yeah, love the theatrics behind it. I hope that both coaches or at least Wayne Bennett buys into it at some point this week and doesn't leave us hanging until kickoff because Seabold walked out of the presser on Saturday night when he started getting too many questions about it. So it's clearly going to, you know, be a, an emotional one for him to come back to. Um, I hope they get a really good crowd at ANZ Stadium for this one. I'm going to say the Rabbitohs are going to win them, be- beat them. That means nothing as far as the players are concerned. Anthony Seabold, you know, getting the poops and walking out of the the press conference because it, it became too much about what's happening on Thursday night when they've just had a, a breakthrough win, uh, only their second win of the season. But I think, you know, you've, if you'd, you might have been sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I've had enough of this. I don't want to answer any more questions about this. But the more you react to it, the more the more reaction you get from everybody around it. And if they know you're affected by it and they're, you're going to get either a walkout or a, a snarky answer or whatever it is, they're going to keep prodding and probing and trying to get something out of you. We're like animals, aren't we? Just these journos. Oh, we've made him cranky. We'll just keep pressing on that. Wayne would be loving this, surely, because he is so experienced and equipped to deal with this sort of maelstrom at the moment. His team is is going well. He would be lapping this up and, and hoping that the blowtorch that's applied to this game is being felt by Anthony Seabold. I'm sure he's sitting back chuckling at night thinking, how good is this? I heard Gordy Taylor say yesterday on the radio that in his time being coached by Wayne Bennett, the one time that Wayne really treated a, a just a minor premiership game as something a bit special was the first time they played the Newcastle Knights in 1998 with the in Super League year and the ARL year. In the big war, the two separate competitions, the Broncos won the Super League, the Knights won the ARL competition in the grand final against Manly, the famous Darren Albert try. And the first time they met in 1998, Wayne was really hyped up for that game. And he said, boys, you can calm everybody down and kill a bunch of stories and quieten the talk with a big win here against the Newcastle Knights. And uh, the Broncos went on to win the comp in 1998. So uh, Wayne didn't, well, I guess you can say did the double. But we refer to 1992-93 as the last time a team actually won back-to-back premierships, given that was a split season in... 1997. Fascinating game. I'm going to say the Rabbitohs. Um, I, I, you know what you get, I think, a bit more out of them at the moment until the Broncos can prove they can do it twice, even though they've got a great forward pack and they ran for tonnes of metres. Payne Haas is, is incredible as a young bloke. First real full season of NRL footy and he's only played two or three games now this season. And, uh, yeah, he, he can play 80 minutes. He can run for tonnes of metres. Pangai. Matt Lodge, um, it'll be a sensational battle. It should be uh, a massive occasion on Thursday night. Friday, two games, Cowboys and Titans. Big game for both these clubs, followed by the Sharks and the Storm. What about up there at 1300 Smile Stadium first off? Well, having just watched North Queensland limp out against Canterbury, I couldn't confidently tip them. But then the mm-hmm. Titans give up 30 points yep. against West Tigers unanswered. I don't know what way to go here, you know, I suppose, given what's happened in recent weeks, you shouldn't pay any attention to last week's form. Just ask Parramatta and West Tigers. But at home, North Queensland, perhaps only because they're playing Gold Coast Titans, who are still trying to find their groove. Mm. Jason Tomalolo spoke with him on the sideline at the game against the Bulldogs and he said... He will put his body first. Obviously, he wants to be back there, but I got the impression that he will be back for this one. And he, they, Paul Green did say they had a couple of extra days yes. this week that he would have lined up this round. But I guess with it's, it, it, you know, it's a long season and they need him back. And he was already ahead of schedule, so I'm not. I, I'm guessing that he will come back. And on off the back of that, I'll go with the Cowboys because they desperately need him. And if you are looking at uh, form lines for players heading into the Origin series for those eligible for New South Wales. And Queensland, as we do at this time of year, this is the fourth last game leading into Origin. Ah. So the teams will be picked after round 11. So we've got rounds 8, 9, 10 and 11 to press your claims. Okay. And, uh, so Not that much longer. So a month to go. Not too much time. So if you're going to, you know, just prove to Kelly Walters or to uh, Freddie Fittler that you deserve a spot, then you're, you're running out of chances. Mm. And I think, well, New South Wales probably in a far better spot than Queensland given the injuries that Maroon suddenly have and, and coming off a loss in the series. But I've got to... 
fair idea that maybe um, even though it was a good win last year by New South Wales in that series, uh, it, what's happening now will mean a lot more than what happened some uh, nine months, 11 months ago, whatever it was, uh, in origin for the Blues in that victory last year in 2018. Sharks and Storm, second game. I'm doing this one. I can't wait <laughs> to get down there to the Sharky Park because Cameron Smith, last time he visited, <laughs> um, the boos would still be ringing in his ear or the cheers as it was because the crowd gave him the serve of serves when he was sin-binned by Matty Checken in, in one of those penalty fest games. I think it was 34 penalties or something like that and Cameron had had enough. Matty Checken said, you can go to the bin for 10 <laughs> and of, against all teams. It happened to be against the Sharks. And, wow, that, that will live in my memory for a long, long time. Cameron, remember he got over to the sideline and stood there and stood there and waited and wouldn't cross. The play couldn't start until he left the field and he used up another bunch of seconds waiting before he actually crossed the line. And the crowd were just they were <laughs> out of their minds by that stage. So the reception he gets, if Paul Gallon got a bit of a reception up there at Suncorp Stadium, him on Saturday night, it'll be nothing, nothing <laughs> compared to what happens on Friday night when the storm hit uh, Cronulla. They love playing the storm, the Sharks. They really get up for these games. The only issue is they're running out of out of men at the moment and the hamstring injuries are huge at that club. Um, and speaking to Luke Lewis, obviously, after the loss on um, Saturday night, you know, it's, it's tough when you're forced to... It, it's great to see them blooding young stars and we all love to see that. And there have been some great stories already this season. Bronson Cherry, Nakora was missing on the weekend. But, um, you know, it's sometimes you've got too many young guns in your team. It can be hard to put it all together on the night. Matt Moylan is a chance for this week, whether or not they would risk him again with a hamstring. Yeah. But this game may not be worth it with the long-term... Uh, view in mind and Sean Johnson that just is a shocker that looks like it's a you know mm. a very long-term injury so I think I'll have to go with the storm for this one yeah Mel because of yeah. the troops they don't have it's it's Melbourne Melbourne and Melbourne again especially the way Melbourne are winning games when they perhaps aren't entitled to and, yep. and that goes to show that they're just on just find a way to win don't they mm. uh, Saturday Raiders and Panthers uh, at McDonald's Park in Wagga and Maddie how good you're down there for this oh, I, I love going to the country venues I've said it week after week because the excitement is they form long lines we saw it at the Sunshine Coast long lines with the lines of buzz just to get into the ground so they could say that we are at an NRL venue yep. but in our neck of the woods Same we saw Bathurst it and, Mudgee. And, and Scully Park on the weekend yeah. um, it, it, it is always bubbling and, and and that's before you even get to the game, which will be a beauty. Canberra beaten against Manly. Penrith beaten by South. Both of these teams desperate to return to the winner's circle. Penrith more so, given their predicament. And, uh, yeah, with big Bill Kickow scoring that try, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Wagga Wagga, which, let's face it, for a long, long time has been a fantastic rugby league uh, nursery Steve Turvey Mortimer, perhaps most famously, but there's been a long line. And given that it's... Halfway between Sydney and Melbourne, there's a big AFL interest there as well. So I'm so happy that the NRL is going back there for the first time in a long, long time for a premiership game. Uh, this will be a, a great way to kick off your Super Saturday. McDonald's Park, Wagga Wagga, Canberra, mm. Penrith. I haven't given you a new winner yet, have yeah, I? Yeah, I think this is a really hard one because we keep saying it. Penrith need to turn the corner and do something with their season. But the Raiders would be stinging after their, win, after their loss. So I'm going to tip the Raiders... They're closer to home. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say Canberra. I think they'll probably bounce back. I don't know what happened in the second half yesterday, but they were just – they couldn't make a tackle. It was Their defence just evaporated. Mm. The tackles they missed was stunning. I don't, they had been so good for the most part of this season so far, so I think they'll – bounce back, but it won't be easy because the Panthers just slowly, yeah, finally, I, and maybe the air being cleared out there at Penrith has had a bit of an effect. If we go back to our sports psychologists, mind management experts, uh, maybe just everything being sorted finally, that, you know, that, that question marks about the management, whatever else have disappeared at Penrith. Everyone knows where they stand now. Might have been just the sort of... Uh, cathartic, you know, clearing of everything they needed and uh, they might just start to play some pretty good football. So we'll see uh, how it pans out. I'm, I'm going to say the Raiders to get the cash in that one. Seagulls and Bulldogs. Um, grudge match number grudge two. Grudge match. Ooh. <laughs> Desi, Desi doesn't think so. Desi doesn't think so, but I'm pretty sure Bulldogs fans will feel that way. Yeah, this one at, uh, over there at Brookie on the Northern Beaches again. And given the way they've won so far this season at home, um, DCE, it looks like he won't be available. Mm. You wouldn't think so. No. Um, so, uh, 
tough one to pick, but uh, the Bulldogs have shown a bit of form, haven't they, in the last month or so. A uh, good win against the uh, Cowboys uh, last Friday night. Oh, I'm going with the dog. <laughs> I put you out in misery. Was I'm going Canterbury. I called their win. Corey Harawira Naira with two fantastic tries. I, I'm just a fan of what Dean Pay uh, gets out of his dogs. Mm-hmm. Competitiveness. I mean, I'll go the Seagulls. I think just at home, off the back of that win, uh, there should be a good crowd there again. Five thirty Saturday night. You can go watch the footy, then go out, go down to the local Chinese, uh, like the. Pit family, or um, you know, just wherever go to the pub, the brookie, and you just wanna. have a couple of celebrity schooners afterwards. Um, I'm going to say the Seagulls to win that one. Jake Trebojevich, yeah. under or over 50 tackles? Oh, uh, what did 50, he get last Over 50 tackles. I don't know. Three <laughs> mind breaks, two tries. And he might kick six goals as he well. He's so important and he's such a footy player, isn't Can he? Can play. Can play. Oh. Roosters and Tigers, I'm at the Sydney Cricket Ground, the grand old lady. For this one, can't wait for the Roosters and the Tigers, given the Tigers bounce back from the shellacking. Looked like they were going to give up 100 points in two games at one stage when they were down early against the Titans up there at Scully Park in Tamworth. But they found a way back to win pretty handsomely in the end. And Mahe Fanua was running right, and they looked pretty good in the second half of that game in particular. So um, I can't, you can't tip them because they're playing the Roosters, the defending premiers, at their home ground. But fascinating contest. We'll see what the Tigers have got in the tank uh, in 2019 when they play the Roosters in this one. So Victor Radley to play nine uh, while Jake Friend is out, maybe for the next three months, Lara, if I'm not Mm. mistaken. And what does that do then to Victor Radley's uh, origin battle against Cam Murray if we hear the experts saying that one of those two could well be in Freddie Fittler's Blues lineup. If Victor Radley's forced to play nine in the absence of Jake Friend, does that gift Cam Murray even more um, of a head start in that race, if we believe it all? Is Cam Murray on the bench for New South Wales for you or is he in the starting 13th? Bench. bench. So who's the lot? Well, Jake, oh, yeah, Jake, 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 Jake Trevojevic, has 13 tattooed onto his back. Because Victor Radley playing nine might yeah. help his cause to be the 14 for New South Wales. Yeah. I, I mean, either way, I think, yeah, if, if they were... It feels the like Cam Murray's been out of the match in every South game <laughs> yeah. or, or close to. I know that it's been pick whoever you like because Cody Walker's been fantastic as well. But um, it just feels like there's this a lot of push for Cam Murray. You just When you hear the, mm. the voices mm. around Blues camp and around Fox League, I think they they love both players and what a great problem for Freddie to have. But it sounds like Cam Murray's... Got it all sewn up. But Victor Radley's going to be a more than able fill-in, mm. isn't he? Yeah. Because that was it Radley's ball to Latrell Mitchell for the field goal in Melbourne. It was yep. centimetre perfect. Yeah, didn't get much of a mention, but absolutely outstanding to find mm. that pass the way he did, given he had the decoy and cronk out to the, the right-hand side. Uh, anyway, Roosters both were, both are impressive. Yeah, Roosters over the target. The Roosters get that one. Sunday, Warriors and Knights at Mount Smart's. Stadium, this the is Knights a are big game the for both back, teams. Are the Knights back, or was that just a mirage? Mm. What are you doing? I think the Knights are back because I think that will ease some pressure. I think they'll just fit into a groove now. I, I, the reason I don't want to go against the Warriors is because even though they've lost to South Sydney on the Sunshine Coast and uh, to the Storm in Melbourne, they were unlucky on both occasions. Yeah. You know, I heard Peter Sterling relay a story that I think came from Jack Gibson or, or one of his advisors that basically each year, if you're an average to good side, you're going to win eight games, lose eight games, and it's the other eight that decide whether you make the finals or not. Yep. Well, I reckon that the Warriors have lost two or three of those other eight. Mm. They might well be 0-3 on the eight that matter. And um, I, I think Newcastle might go back to back. Yeah, I'm going to tip Newcastle. But my tips was shocking this weekend, so don't take <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's a toss of the coin job. Um, I, I'm going to say the Warriors at home. Okay. Find a way to yeah, get two, two, uh, two very important points. Other game of the round is on Sunday afternoon at Bankwest Stadium. <laughs> Look out. Eels and Dragons. Eels, last time they were there, put on 50 against the Tigers. They go up to Newcastle. They are abysmal. And now they're going to take on the Dragons, who, despite losing to the Roosters, are playing some pretty good footy, aren't they? So Mm. um, fascinating contest. And you would think, um, what was the crowd? Was it 27,000 against the Tigers? Nearly 30. A week ago? A bit shy of 30. I know that when before the stadium stadium opened that weekend, these tickets were selling well. So hopefully they get a really good crowd. I'm tipping, yeah, high 20. Got to be 28,000 again. Just on the back of watching it, if you weren't there, you're going to want to be there now, right? Mm, For sure. Mm. I think there'll be tons of Dragons fans. And, and, Mm. you know, it it could be the home base for lots of teams. It should be. It should be. It's Mm. that good a stadium. Um, I'm going to say the Dragons. Me too. Why was? 
I just think they're playing they're, they're a bit more consistent suddenly. I just uh, that Eels that manner of that loss just has rocked me as far as confidence in the Eels. I just yeah. they I know the Knights were up for it and they all played really well, but I don't know. That was the Eels of old, uh, going back twelve months when they were p- pretty average at times, and you know seasons before that when they were. Winning minor uh, sporting spoons left, right, and centre. I just, ooh, I don't know. That was that was a bit of a worry for me. I'm I'm going to say that I'm, they'll probably bounce back and and you know put egg on my face, whether it's a pink or a blue egg. But I would say the dragons <laughs> might just get the cash. Hard boiled or soft. <laughs> um, I I saw that Blake Ferguson was still troubled by that rib injury. He, he wasn't as involved. His running meters by his standards were around 100, whereas he's been up above 200 a couple of times this year. I don't think he's totally fit still. Uh, so, St. George Illawarra, the red V. And if Jack DeBellin is uh, into the side this weekend, you'd imagine... So, yeah, big stories this week. Big fitness, story. how long is Daly Cherry Evans going to be out mm. for? What's going to happen to the Jack DeBellin case? Uh, where will Cody Nicarima and James Roberts find themselves yeah. playing next week? Yeah. So, the rugby league world, as always... Gives us plenty of fodder. Yes, it does. Um, and after next week, we'll be one-third the way through the minor premiership, 24 minor premiership games. And we'll be heading into Magic Round. And going into Magic Round. So next week on the podcast, we'll do our one-third of the season review. We'll go through all 16 teams and we'll break them up into our categories that we uh, patented last year on the show. What is it was? Remind uh, me from a home. So uh, keep keep the last weekend of September free. Was oh, it grand right. final in October this year? Are you back in it's October it, it's, this it's year? It's late in October. It's October 6th or something. Uh, it is October Super 6th. late. So October the categories 6th. will be keep the first weekend of October free. Um, <laughs> are we, there'll be, then there'll be the next category is are we contenders? The next category, is there a Should chance... Should we plan Mad Monday? Yeah. Uh, or is there a category we'll get to before that. that. Is, is Give there up a, now. Is there, a chance, <laughs> is there a chance we actually suck, which is more for the teams who... Well, and, there are seven teams that are... Well, at, at the, the yeah. moment. it's usually the teams who have expectations but aren't living up to expectations yeah. before. And last year, the, the only team... At this point in the is there a chance we actually suck category? Was Parramatta? No. No, who was it? Roosters. It was Sydney Roosters. Oh, wow. There you go. There you guys you go. Are shocking. You eight, have no, no idea. Eight <laughs> weeks in last year, we yeah, were thinking, yeah. is there a chance with Cooper Cronk, James Tedesco had been signed? Was said yes. I said no, they wouldn't be here we are. Is there, is there a chance we actually suck? Oh. So the Roosters went from that category. You just popped the lens out of your yeah, glass. You're having a shock at it, don't <laughs> But is there a chance we actually suck? And then we have um, uh, Bali or Hawaii um, yep. for the teams okay. who are booking. How many categories are there? There's a lot of categories. We'll go yeah. through them all next week. That's uh, following the games in round eight. Uh, thanks for having a chat. It's been good fun. Mm, see, see you in Wagga Wagga. Week. See you <laughs> in Wagga. Going down south to the River Arena is the great Matty Russell. We'll see you next week on You Can Take Me Now. I have seen it all.